are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. Okay, here we are. Rogue Table Talks. This is Mike. R T T. R T T. Number one hundred nine. Look, I represent the Upshot too. Upshot Coffee. Come on. All right, there we go. Uh, the local. The local uh, brand, uh, RTT 109, 109. Uh, PT 109, patrol, patrol boat 109, I think, uh, World War II era, John F. Kennedy, uh, is this uh, ringing a bell at all to you? Nothing. Nope, you got sorry, <laughs> you yeah, lost me nothing. on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think JFK, um, something, something about 109. It's, there you uh, go. it's important. It's important for reasons that we will uh, <laughs> divulge later. Um, yeah, so we are uh, going to talk about stories and, and movies uh, and mm-hmm. sort of a biblical representation of stories and mo- movies uh, as we go along the way. Uh, and as we get started, wanted to mention we do have a website, roguetabletalks.com. Dot com. Uh, dot com. Uh, and uh, we'll basically that'll be a nice little portal for recent uh, episodes. And we have a YouTube channel. Uh, you know, if you go to YouTube and just search for Rogue Table Talks, you'll find our channel. Uh, and there's only just a, a, a few most recent ones. We'll upload some older ones up there uh, later. Do we have swag like pictures of Mike and Chad, five by sevens? Or anything? That's coming. Yeah, we need merch. We need merch for the we site. We need some merch. For, uh, for yeah. sure. Uh, and then, of course, you know, subscribe to Rogue Table Talks, the podcast, at all the various places one subscribes to such things. Stitcher and Apple and Google and so on and so on. Wherever you're Spotify. listening to this, keep listening to it uh, and, uh, you know, rate and subscribe uh, and all of that. Uh, but today, uh, here we are to talk about story, stories, culture. Um, and uh, how all of that might play together. We'll talk about it over the le- over the next few times together. Uh, and I just thought maybe we should sort of take a step back and think about a story and culture. Um, and so I don't know. I kind of want to just throw it out to you. Just sort of let's just freelance here. Um, what what are some aspects of a biblical view of culture? Uh, how would you describe how 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 should we understand culture? How should we exist with within it? Just go. Yeah. Um, go. All right. First, this is riffing jazz riff here. I think it's important for each person to take responsibility to be able to articulate your view of culture and as a Christian and what I mean by that is not what you think, but how you live. Not what you say, but what you actually do. If you think uh, it's okay for Christians to go to the movies and watch an R-rated movie, but you say that, but you never do it, and you might mildly judge someone who does, then what you do, actions speak a lot of the words, that's your view. Uh, and, and vice versa. If you say, you know, I think there's things Christians shouldn't engage in and and we should, you know, kind of retreat from that, but you don't, 
I would just say everyone needs to be able to articulate what, what are you doing right now with your engagement and culture um, before you start to think about, okay, well, what does is, what is the Bible invite us to? I think there's some um, faulty ways to, to view the culture. I think one of the most faulty ways is that the culture is out there mm-hmm. and that the, that the church is over here. Like we're not a part of the culture. I'm not a part yeah. of the culture. Yep. I mean, that's just not true. Look at my, right. look at my clothes, look at my hat, look at my Spotify playlist, look at my books, look at my, right. you know, Netflix queue. Like right. Christians are in the culture that, and that's yeah. a good thing. That's a good right. thing. Yeah. And it's unavoidable. Uh, so, you know, we ought to think about it. And I think what, you know, your, your <laughs> sort of your initial point is that the whole topic of culture seems loaded and fraught for some Christians, because this whole, if you've been a Christian for a while or grew up in the church, which I didn't really, or I sort of, I mean, I became a Christian when I was a teenager, um, this sense of what's, what's something that's acceptable for a Christian to do culturally is sort of in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, that's not a horrible question, as you're saying, but it's good for us to be clear about it. But there's no, I would say then, there's no safe ground in which we can just, let's just withdraw from the whole, just to be safe, let's just withdraw from the culture. Well, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not possible. We're being, you know, we are being acted upon by the culture. We act on the culture. It's hard. It's, un, you know, it's impossible to, you know, not be a part of the changes in the world that are expressed culturally. You know, the internet, the always on, you know, all sorts of things that we become acculturated to. Um and so that's it's plus if uh, we are called to be missional in the here and now, we're called to be missional in this culture. Uh, you know, Paul uses the uh, illustration of ambassador, you know, that we are ambassadors. We have this ministry, this message of reconciliation to bring people to God in Christ. And in order to be ambassador, we have to understand the people to whom we're called, what messages resonate, what's something you should say, what's something you shouldn't say. Uh, how does all that work? Well, all of that are in some ways are intertwined with, with culture. So it's important for us to understand uh, what do people in our culture think about the future? What do they think about love? What do they think about, you know, what are they afraid of? What do they hope for? And, you know, Cultural expressions are one way we know that movies, books, you know, TV shows, articles that we read are, is a window in to this culture to which we're called. We're a part of it, as you said, but we're also called to it. Uh, well, and, I, think, I think, too, the, the, the lens, what is the lens through which we think about culture is probably important to identify as well, because for, I did grow up in the church, and for most of us, the initial lens we thought through everything was is it right or wrong is it good or bad and what that does if that's the initial question and perhaps the only question uh unidimensional question is it hinders me from hearing anything as you just said listen to the culture what do we know what they think of asking any more questions about what is this story saying what is it saying about the meaning of life or where to find purpose or how I'm stuck in despair? What is this song saying? Um, what is, what's the author trying to communicate and what aspect of reality does it coincide with? So what, what that does is, you know, what if we started to think through stories, culture, art, 
their their information they're not necessarily is it good or bad right or wrong i mean there's there's a value judgment we do need to place on it but what if it's that's one piece of nine pieces right see what i mean yep and and because there is good art and bad art and there is good music and bad music and there's and there's art to which according to my own fallenness and proclivities i should probably avoid that and we all can think of extreme examples of uh you know what that might be for for different people uh i you know probably different people have different lines that they can draw i think the good and bad thing i think you're right that there's a sense of that's bad to be avoided that's good we can we can and you know entertain ourselves with this culture because it's good uh, and that's bad so we must avoid uh and in you know in a sense when it comes to humans and culture that's really uh pretty it's a distortion of a of a bigger biblical reality where we are good, fallen, uh, that we are image bearers. You know, we were part of the original good creation. We bear the image of God. That part is good. Um, And fallen, we've experienced the fall. So we blur the image of God. We mar the image of God. So Mozart can be a bad guy and make beautiful music. Mm -hmm. And we can appreciate the beauty of Mozart's music the only reason he can create beauty is because he's an image bearer and that beauty represents God, even if Moses or uh, Moses Mozart doesn't believe in God. Uh, And so that complicates the picture then greatly. So all sorts of movies have some possibility of a mix of image bearing and fallenness. And while their interplay is going on, they're saying something about the world, about love, about meaning, about purpose, about sacrifice, redemption, you know, all of these things are all happening at the same time. And so it's not not good enough just to say good, bad, avoid, okay. It's not enough. It's too simplistic. And and it's, you know, maybe for early teenagers, you need to teach something like that, but you have to grow up and you have to think through things better. So I think you just stated a the the complexity of the issue and some people might say well i don't listen to that music because they're not a christian or because they say a a curse word or they seem to talk about sexuality in a way that's just uncomfortable or or, or i don't agree with it okay okay but most people uh and i'm not realizing i'm coming in hot today but most people would say but classical music is great. Christians should and encourage, and we should listen to classical music. But you just painted a very complex picture, and because Mozart, for all all accounts of history, uh, was incredibly licentious, uh, mm-hmm. didn't fear God, did anything mm-hmm. he wanted to do, but right. wrote beautiful music. So the author, as a character, seemed to be a pagan, right. uh, and lived like it and flaunted it, but also wrote very beautiful music. So you're you're saying. With that illustration, you're saying it's much more complex than um, we w- tend to want to make it. Yeah, so that's you know that's part of the thing, and then part of the thing then too is missionally, we we are called to wade into that complexity so that we can be ambassadors, so that we can bring the gospel, so that we can bear the truth of the kingdom in this you know particular culture. So it's <clears throat> it, there's no safe road. Because uh, the safe road to withdraw, you, a you probably can't, and b you're sort of burying your talent in the ground and trying to play it safe, but you're you're not going to play it safe mm-hmm. um, because you you know 
and Paul Paul says this a number of times in you know Second uh, Corinthians five. He uses the ambassador thing that we have this in. Uh, I think it's in First uh, Corinthians nine. He says, you know, to the Jews, I became like the Jew to to win the Jews. So you know what he's saying is I I sort of identified with culturally this different these different groups of people those under the law those with the law in order to win them to the weak I became the weak to win the weak that you know we, there's a certain level of identification that that we're called to so that we can build a bridge so that we can live out the gospel in their presence so that we can mm-hmm. whatever uh, and then another thing uh, I think it's the First Corinthians five where Paul says, hey, you misunderstood me a little bit here. Uh, I said, don't associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meeting the people of the world, of course, because then you'd have to withdraw from the world. You can't not associate with sexually immoral people or swindlers or idolaters or whatever, because then you'd have to, I meant in the church, but in the world, I mean, obviously you have to be, Jesus was, Jesus went to the parties, all this stuff. Like that's the whole notion that we can withdraw and not associate with sinful something is a flawed view of the world and our mission. And, and to, I mean, obviously Jesus associated with sinners to reach sinners. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're called to that. Uh, that's going to mean engagement with our culture missionally. So it's sort of, it's, it's a requirement to live out our identity in the, in the church. Yeah. And I, and I would also say another aspect of that is it's not, just a calling and a mission like you should go do this i would argue this you're already in the thing yeah yeah it, the reality you can't, you it's can't like get, a you can't get away from it it, exactly it, right? exactly it's it's not only something i should do it's something i am and i'm it's like when um mary and pippin are talking to the ints and they don't want to go to war and they say but you're a part of this world yeah like you're just in it right, right. You you're making culture away. others are yeah you can other yeah. making culture it's overlapping yeah, so this question of just how well are you, how well or poorly are you going to do? You know, how well or poorly are you going to be salt and light? Uh, and of course, to be light, you got to go to a dark place, or what's the point? Um, and and I think that's a, obviously that can be that's not simple, that's not you know very clear cut, and there's no list of movies to avoid or books to it just. You, doesn't lend itself to that sort of cultural analysis mm-hmm. uh, or understanding. And I think that's, that can make us uncomfortable uh, to a big degree. But I think it's a requirement. And one of the ways we see it, and I think as we talk in the next few weeks, we'll probably come back to a lot of these passages, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 5, and then Acts 17, where you know Paul's in Athens. And there's a couple things that, are, that go on there that we can talk about over the next few weeks but one of them is he quotes their philosophers and their poets in the midst of telling them about god in a language that uh they can understand so he doesn't talk about abraham law moses israel i mean that doesn't mean anything to them he talks about in a language that they can understand so he has to know something about them and their culture in order to do that and then he quotes you know their philosophers and poets uh, where the philosophers and poets as image bearers are saying something true about God. Mm-hmm. Uh, as your own poets have said, you know, he says, um, which m- m- is an illustration of what we're talking about, A, and B, of course, means Paul must have read them. 
Well, Paul was well read. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, he didn't just just read his Bible. Um, in order to quote poetry, you're talking about it, you're dissecting it, you're reading it. I mean, there he was. There's, there's a breadth and depth to Paul's educational level and intelligence that, you know, he he. Let's put it contemporary. He's reading Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins. He's he's watching movies that, uh, you know have elements of truth in them but twist elements of truth he's he's engaging uh in the world around him i just i don't know how you get around that with paul uh, paul's right. ability to go into this place and say as your poets have said right that's right yes that's a correct that's exactly right and so that's why um it's important for us and good for us um because i think there's a lot of negative you know a neg negative um, and sort of not only non-missional, but damaging stuff that can happen to us if we try to live the withdrawed from the world uh, thing. I mean, I think essentially that's what a lot of the Pharisees did. Yeah. Um, and we can maybe come back to that, you know, later on. But I think um, it's good and important for us uh, to experience art as art, uh, to experience, um, you know, to to investigate, you know, uh, excellent poets and philosophers as Paul was doing, which in our day uh, might be movies and TV shows and novels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how, you know, ideas are getting communicated uh, to us. Uh, not going there, like, like, you know, I'm not sure Paul was reading all of their philosophers and poets trying to, you know, with a highlighter, trying to find... I can use this in a gospel presentation one day. Mm -hmm. He's just reading it to understand it. And mm -hmm. that in understanding it, he can now draw it in. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's our challenge. And having said all of that, yeah, some things you might draw along. Yeah, I don't think I really want to watch that thing. There's plenty of things to watch. Yeah, I don't think I really want to read that thing. There's plenty of things to read. But what am I, what am I going to engage with? Uh, and knowing that everything can bear the image and that expresses some fallenness. And that, uh, before I talk about a particular movie, the, you know, one of the things you said about um, uh, the, the, the whole, it's out there, you know, that mm -hmm. the badness is out there to be avoided. I think that's just essentially false. I mean, there's some, okay, there's some sense, of course, that's true that okay porn is out there you probably shouldn't watch porn okay sure. um but you know at some point in the larger culture that we're all experiencing the overwhelming message i think of the of the new testament and, and you know especially the sermon on the mount is is the the badness is in here primarily my heart is the place where sin can occur and i can then make scripture a source of my sin if scriptures mm -hmm. if i'm going to scripture to validate my pre-existing beliefs and to you know be proud and harsh like the pharisees did i mean they were very scriptural and very sinful at the same time and the problem wasn't scripture the problem was their their own heart yeah the problem wasn't scripture the problem uh and and, and that's where i think yes there's elements of of evil out there that's for sure but if you're just talking about things that are in a society 
and religion is a part of it so the church is a part of it and there's the church and then there's journalism and politics and economics and um, entertainment and arts and all education all of these things like I think it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn the Russian novelist like the line of good and evil is not between the church and the world it's but mm -hmm. it's right down the middle of every human heart right and right. and and that includes the church and so mm -hmm. you see you can almost draw a visual of here's the church and then here's this line of you know evil is out there and church here and that's just not true church is in a part of the society a part of the culture and the line of good and evil goes right down everything that is existing in the world mm -hmm. so let's maybe talk about a movie um all right the, and uh you know what the movie i want to kind of want to talk about because it fits in with this sense of there are big themes in this movie and you don't necessarily, you don't go to the theater to watch this movie looking for the big themes in this movie. Uh, so to me, it's a good example from that standpoint. Uh, but The Dark Knight, uh, you know, uh, you've got Batman. The Batman. So it's, you know, it's a cartoon, it's a superhero cartoon character depiction. Uh, but Christopher Nolan's version of it in The Dark Knight Um there's a lot of this going on and you know let's start with batman you know what's batman's deal what bat what's batman about <laughs> what's he doing uh what's his he's he's let's see fighting crime uh but he's also trying to exercise his own demons of fear and grief and uh you know the loss of his parents um you know, having experienced childhood trauma with the the murder of his family, he's out to be a, you know, force of justice because there's so much right. injustice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's good. Right. He's he's out to protect the people of Gotham from a fate he suffered as a child. And, you know, the depiction of Gotham when he was a child, it was it was pretty rough. And he's, you know, kind of clean, cleaned it up and he's fighting the bad, the bad people. Uh, and so there's this sense that he's existing to be a protector, to be a cause of justice. Uh, and, you know, the police force is a very um, sort of mixed bag, uh, I guess, is one way of saying it. Uh, here, there's some good people and bad people. Um, and Batman seems to be the one who comes to the rescue. So that's 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 part of the, the you know the backdrop of the story. But the interesting part then of the of the story is the interplay with the Joker. Uh, and so the well, Joker. Well, in the most basic sense, it's a battle between good and evil, right? In its, it's most, most basic evil. sense, it's a battle between good and evil. As we've said, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman, is not the angelic personification of all things good, but he's on the side of you know, justice, protection, order, uh, peace. He wants to think well of people. Uh, he wants to redeem. Uh, and the Joker is just the opposite. And, uh, you know, there's that famous, that story where, uh, uh, what's his name, Alfred, uh, you know, tells the story of, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, he's saying, I think, don't, you know, I think the Joker is this is this sort of person who is not 
he's not trying to get money. He's not trying to, he's trying to cause chaos and disorder. And he's trying to corrupt. And he wants to corrupt, the, he wants to corrupt Batman. He wants to corrupt people. He does corrupt Harvey Dent and makes mm-hmm. him into Harvey Two-Face, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, there's an episode where there's two ships, you know, in this, in this kind of, towards the end of the movie, this confrontation. And what he wants is one ship to blow the other ship up. Well, isn't so, it like one, one ship has a bunch of the, you know, criminals from God. Right. And right. the other ship has, you know, upstanding citizens. Right. And they give, he gives each other a, a detonator. To, to blow the other ship to up. To blow the other ship up. Yeah. Telling them at midnight he's going to blow them both up. Right. Uh, and they don't do it. Um, yeah, Which you is know, just a want... freaking amazing part of the movie that, that yeah. you're like, what's going to happen? And then, and then right. this is, this to me, sorry to interrupt, but this is the, this, this is the beauty of you're looking at a good thing fallen and Christopher Nolan, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's making this movie and telling a story. And all of a sudden you see that these criminals who are, who you would just think, oh, these are bad people, but they won't kill innocent people. They don't do mm-hmm. it. Right. It's just this emergence of, oh, because not everything is wholly bad and not every person is wholly lost and God's right. image is still lurking in there. That's right. That's right. So contra the Joker, you know, these criminals um, are, you know, they're, they're the personification of a good thing, fallen. Mm-hmm. And their fallenness got the better of them at some point in their life. They're criminals, but they're not just going to murder a bunch of people. Uh, and... Um, and I think that's the, the the whole one of the most realistic depictions of evil, one of those biblical depictions of evil, I think that I've seen uh, in popular culture, uh, because that's what um, I think we think the devil wants to get us to do bad things, uh, which you know is a very limited view of what the devil wants to do. He, the devil wants to corrupt us. I mean, Jesus takes, you know. Uh, Jesus is in the wilderness. Uh, Satan, you know, it doesn't, is not, you know, in the, in the wilderness killing Jesus. Well, we think Satan is just out to destroy and harm and and just end it. And I think he would much rather sow seeds of discord and doubt and despair. And, you know, if you can turn a good thing bad, then you are, uh, a brilliant and uh, notorious villain. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's what, you know, uh, Satan tries to get Jesus to eat the bread. He doesn't take, you know, doesn't try to kill Jesus. He tries to corrupt him. Uh, And I think that's a, you see that, okay, that's in a movie. I don't think Christopher Nolan is a believer. I, you know, I don't know that he is or isn't, but it's a very realistic depiction of evil that should cause me to, you know, see uh, the biblical depiction, it's true. There's a truth to it because he's an image bearer. He sees something true about the world and he can illuminate that via story in a way that I go, oh yeah, that really is what the devil's about. It's about uh, not just a bad outcome, but about corrupting me so that I contribute to more bad outcomes in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the... Um, you know, okay, that's a whole, now it's a bigger, 
game. It's a bigger stakes and so on. So whatever else you do with that, it's a, it's a small example of here's a story that's, that's really showing me something true because an image bearer is making it that I should really think about. And I'm not sure I would ever use that, you know, in a conversation with somebody about the gospel, but I might, but I might, you know, if somebody asked me like, what do you, you know, what's the, what do you think the devil's like? You know, it's a little like the Joker in the dark night, you know, he's trying, he wants to watch the world burn. He wants to, uh, he wants to corrupt. Um, it's not like he's out for money, you know? Um, in fact, in the dark night, the Joker, um, burns a whole big pile of cash, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the other villains are like, what? It, and that's that's like at that moment they realize, oh, this is a crazy person. Well, like, you we know just thought he's he the wanted real villain. <laughs> yes, that's right. it's not at power that point, and money. They're scared of him, right? He right. wants to twist anything good, and 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 this is why it's so brilliant because this is what not just malevolence, evil, but this is what sin is. It's a parasite on God's good creation, taking something that is good and twisting it it's just it's it's just like anything we see in god's creation sex um food uh our bodies relationships uh anything it and and all of this was pronounced good because humans are humans and humans are supposed to make culture being culture makers is a really really good thing for humanity to do Uh, god never condemns that uh what he does condemn is sin and sin wants to corrupt the goodness of humanity and has corrupted the goodness of humanity, corrupt the culture making, corrupt the culture making. And now, now, and this is why pornography is so, so bad because it's not just that it's a, it's a, um, a devalue, a degradation of sexuality because now it's a degradation of power and money and all of these other things that are good they're part of economic systems, but now they've, it's become corrupt, and it's not just the sex part, right? Right. It's part of it, but it's it's this right. whole industry now uh, that's mm-hmm. powerful. Um, but it's, it's sin is corrupting all of this, all of this stuff. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of back to then our original point is that um, that sounds, you know, scary, maybe. And, um, you know, I kind of would rather think that wasn't true. And I'd rather think, you know, that we live in a monoculture where everyone sort of knows what's right and wrong. And so we don't really participate in depictions where bad things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we, you know, that is not the world we live in. And if you're going to avoid any, piece of art or culture where bad things happen well it's just not possible you're you're lying to yourself actually um and you know that if you're going to avoid all manifestations of a culture that are not completely biblical again you're lying to yourself and you're misled because of course um a lot of it there might be nothing wrong with the manifestation of culture but the you know the you know, the problem is in me. Um, and so then how do we live? You know, how do we live in this world? And I think partly uh, one of the ways in which, you know, I want to think about that is, you know, what does it mean for me to be an image bearer, to be made more and more into the image of Christ and to live that out for, for lost people? 
And there's no way that I can do any of that without, you know, some wise and strategic interaction with culture. Mm-hmm. Um, because culture is just people interacting with each other and with creation and with other culture. With storytelling and, and meaning and they're looking for things that shape us and right. provide value and value judgments and we're looking, we're constantly checking in with each other. Um, what's going on in the world today? Is this good? Is this bad? How do we go forward as, a, as, as individuals and humanity? How do we make our way in the world? We're constantly checking in and that's why these um, these stories, uh, you know, the Bible is a collection of stories, and it's the same thing. These stories shaped them. They gave them purpose and meaning, and they passed them down. And there's a lot of stories around today, and people are looking for meaning and purpose and stories. You said one thing, I, um, you know, how do we engage wisely? I know we've been kind of hammering one viewpoint that's kind of a withdrawal from the culture, but let me just say there's a there's an equally flawed viewpoint as well which is you know i don't there's one point of i don't want to be entertained by something like that and the other side is equally flawed which is i simply want to be entertained by something yeah. like that so i i haven't i'm batman i have no idea what it's about i mean i watched it and I, I thought it was a good movie but i, I'm, I have no cool idea looking. that's good cool. i want to i want to go fight crime <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah there is no withdrawal is an impossibility but also to be merely entertained is an, is an impossibility. Mm-hmm. That if we are seeking that, we are imbibing some message. We're just not conscious of it. And we're so therefore, aware. we're not aware of it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, is there some line at which some things are more frivolous than others? And that's fine. Sure. Absolutely. But to have that be the dominant mode of your interaction with culture just sort of means you're going to be more of a frivolous person and, you know, live a more frivolous life. That to think about, you know, what is Christopher Nolan saying about the world when he's, you know, when he makes a Joker be this person, which is a conscious, a conscious choice, obviously, um, is something that it's good to think about. And uh, I, th- I do think that the, that there is a... Um, you know, to be salt and light, to use that uh, illustration that Jesus has used, you know, yes, to be light, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense to cover the, the, the you know, the light with a bowl because there's no light. It also means, um, you know, we've got to go into the world and, and illuminate a dark place. But, he, you know, he says, if the salt loses is salt savoriness, is saltiness, in other words, if we just assimilate, capitulate, uh, and be identical with the world around us, if, if there's nothing distinctive about us, right. then, then the point of cultural interaction is lost as well. Mm-hmm. So to withdraw is a false paradigm, but also just to dive in and say, yeah, all this is fine. Nothing matters. Right. We're to, free to, uncritically, to live uncritically, to right. live unaware. Yeah, now I've lost my distinctiveness and lost my saltiness, and it's good for nothing. Yeah, uh, and so that's the balance. Stay salty, of, stay salty, people. <laughs> we should just. I should there have you ended go. on that. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that's that's the thing. And so as the you know next few weeks, we can talk about some of these themes um, and some of these passages maybe in more in more depth. Uh, but that is our, uh, you know, that's our 
you know, our, our point in our, uh, our calling is to think critically about how we interact with culture. Also, one thing that I think you said about story, um, and the reason is, is, you know, we, the reason it's important is because some, we experience truths told in story differently than we do if we're just reading five bullet points about evil you know evil means dirt. when we see it okay oh okay now it's it we we interact with it at a deeper level or even it sneaks up on us mm-hmm. and we we're not looking for it we don't see it coming and i think part of that is because we're in this big story and some truths are best communicated in story as you said the bible has lots of stories in it and, and, uh, it, and it is a story. And, and it is a story. That's what that's what original meaning of myth was. It wasn't a farce. It was something so true it had to be communicated in story form. Right. Yes. And I think that's the it's the difference between saying here's ten aspects of romantic love that are true. Okay. That's you could do that. You can convey information, but it's very limited. Yeah. But you can tell a love story, which would display all these in ways that you okay now now i get it at a much deeper and bigger level and that's why it's important because that's how our culture is is expressing what they really believe what they're really afraid of what they really think about the world in the future all that is coming out in story form typically in culture i mean you can watch ted talks and it's there too but it's more profoundly there uh in stories that our culture is telling Uh, So, remember the story you're in, uh, engage in this story, uh, and I think, you know, let's begin to think about how we can do that in a way that uh, allows us to be ambassadors and to carry this ministry of reconciliation forward and to experience the beauty uh, that God has to offer uh, to us. Um, So with that, let's end it there, and uh, stay salty, people. Stay salty. Stay salty, people. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.